Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. All right. It is so good to be back with you today. I was thinking that after three weeks being gone, I need to reintroduce myself. And someone reminded me of that this morning, but I was also hoping that maybe I wasn't forgotten that easily. Now, if you are a guest this morning, we're so glad you're here today, whether that's online or in the room. We're glad that we get to do this together because God is doing something through One Hope Church, and we would love to do that with you. Now, when my kids were young, my kids are young, and we'd go visit my mom and dad. Something that my mom would do every time we visited is something my kids will never forget. At some point during that visit, they would hear something very loudly through the house, and it would sound like this. Treasure hunt! Grab the kids' attention. Treasure hunt! And it was in this moment that this sentence was so important to the kids that they would just come running. It didn't matter what they were doing, they were coming running to my parents. Now, sometimes it just wasn't my two kids. It was all the grandkids being together, right? And so imagine not two, but we've got six kids, and let's say we were at my sister's house, and you'd hear, treasure hunt! kids be coming from the basement. They'd be coming from upstairs. They'd be running out of bathrooms, not ready, but they just, they had to get to where my mom was. They would come because nothing was more important in that moment than the gifts that my mom had brought. Now, they knew that they couldn't just come and gather gifts. They knew these gifts were hidden all through the house like a treasure hunt. And so what they do, they'd gather together, and my mom would go, okay, Jackson, your treasures are going to be in the blue bags. Ellie, your treasures are going to be in the red bags. They would know that there was a specific hidden treasure or many specific hidden treasures, each for them, and then they would, my mom would release them to go get their treasures. Now, my mom decided that when the kids got older, they're going to get to the teenage years, this was going to be silly. They wouldn't like the treasure hunt, so she decided when they become teenagers, they were no longer going to have treasure hunts. But to her surprise, even in the teenage years, you know, we know that teenage years are a little bit too cool for school years, right? Like, even in the teenage years, the kids would be like, hey, when, when are the treasure hunts happening? Like, right? When am I going to get my treasures? But we understand this, don't we? We all love treasure, it's why there's so many movies made of treasure. It's why, uh, it's why I watch shows like Storage Wars. And I watch it, and, I, and when a commercial comes, I know I'm about to change the channel, but the problem, you know what happens right before the commercial, right? They find that box in the back of the storage unit, and they're like, <gasps> and I'm like, I can't change the channel now. It drives me crazy because I got to see the treasure that they found in the back of the storage unit, or it's why I watch Pawn Stars. And this person, I hate this person, this person that finds something in the attic, 
Or they go to an estate sale and they find something, they bring it in, and it's like, this is worth $50,000. And I'm like, why am I not that person? They found the treasure, why not me? Or it's why people, well, not in Alabama, but in other states, why people play the lottery, right? It's because we all want the treasure that will change our life forever. We all love treasure. We imagine the treasure because we want that treasure that will change our life forever. And that's what we're going to talk about today. If you're visiting us for the first time, we're in the middle of a series titled Summer of Stories. We're talking about the parables of Jesus or, or the stories of Jesus. There's talking about the stories of Jesus where he wants people to understand what he's bringing to this earth. He's bringing uh, that will change everything about how life is lived. He's telling stories so that people can understand deep truths so, that how so they'll know how their life needs to change. Jesus is telling stories. That's why Matthew chapter 13, it says this, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, so was fulfilling what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouths in parables, and I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Listen, these parables we've been going through, and we'll continue for just a couple more weeks, these parables parables mattered. These parables were life-changing. These stories were the greatest stories that could be told because Jesus was bringing these hidden truths for people so their lives could be changed. So, let's jump into our parable for today. Now, it's not going to be one parable. Actually, it's going to be two parables, and you'll see why. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 13. So if you've got your Bibles, you've got your phone, if you don't have either and you're in the room, there's a Bible under your seat you can grab. But I need you to understand something about these parables. These are the shortest parables that are recorded. But even though they're the shortest, I think they carry a powerful punch that is going to challenge you. They've already challenged me this week in preparation. So can I read the first parable of the two today? It's Matthew 13, verse 44. Just one verse. Ready? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Okay, short but powerful, because let's picture what's happening here. In Matthew chapter 13, there, this is a series of parables where Jesus is either teaching in front of very large crowds or he's just teaching to the disciples. Now, this specific parable, Jesus is in a house. Just him and the disciples. I don't know what they're eating. I don't know what they're doing. They're probably sitting around. Imagine this. They're sitting in a house, and Jesus is speaking deep truths to them. Now, this concept of the hidden field, I mean, yeah, the, the hidden treasure in a field would be very familiar to them. He's just talking about a person. And they're walking through a field. There have been lots of fields in their area. It was very rural, so fields were everywhere. It's just a simple story of a man walking through a field, and he finds a treasure. Now, stop there for a second. This wasn't uncommon. 
Jesus wasn't telling a story that they had to imagine. This would have happened because... Well, when Jesus was teaching this, we need to remember that there was no central or no banking system at all. They wouldn't have had a banking system. So what did they do with the things that were valuable to them? What did they do with their money? They buried them. They buried them. They had to bury them because they never knew when another group of people was going to walk into their town, come into their town, and then pillage their community. I mean, the history of humanity is one group um, stealing from another group property, land, destroying, killing. This is the history, and the Jewish people would have known this as well as anybody. Well, when this happened... Let's say a man was killed or he was pushed out of his land. Then this valuable item that was buried is now what? It's forgotten. It's kind of just lost in history. The people don't know what's there. But over time, someone may get lucky and they walk upon this treasure. And when I think about this, it kind of reminds me of maybe people we've seen before. Ever seen those people with the metal detectors and the big headphones on. You seen those walking around? They don't totally know what they're looking for. They're just looking for whatever. Kind of got their eyes, ears open to just something they could find. I've seen these people at the beach. I've seen these people in random places. I mean, what are you doing? Well, I came across a story where this really worked out for someone well. It was in 2019, a couple in Britain, um, they, they, they found these ancient coins, okay? They found these ancient coins in this random field, and they picked up these coins that you can see, and they brought them back, got them appraised, and they were worth over $5 million dollars. Once again, why am I not that person? Like, I don't get in storage wars, I don't get in pawn stars, I don't get the metal detector. Oh, I cannot be this person. Five million dollars. Random field. Well, listen, the, the, the disciples, they wouldn't have had metal detectors, right? They wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have understood that story, but they would have understood the story of the hidden treasure in the field. Now, well, as the man found this, he couldn't just uh, take the treasure and walk away with it. It wasn't his land, so it was illegal, right? And this is when Jesus is about to give them a truth that would change their life forever. It would change their view on how living would happen forever. Jesus says he puts it back in the ground, and then he goes and sells everything he has so he can buy the field. Jesus is implying something really powerful to these disciples as they're listening to this. He's saying what he found is more valuable than anything he owned and nothing was going to stop him from getting it. And then he moves on. Jesus doubles down. He reiterates his story by just reinforcing it with verse 45. And this is what he says in 45. And again... The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. Okay, another short one, but there's power behind this. 
And this might seem redundant, but it's not. There are similar concepts, but we've got to see the difference. Now, the first story, uh, when he talks about the man, what does he say? He's just walking through a field. Talking about a man that just is walking, not really looking for a treasure, just living. He probably has his eyes open. He just, for whatever reason, he just comes upon it. We don't know why. He just is. But when he sees the treasure, he immediately knows how valuable he is. it is and then does something about it. Well, this time, it's about a man looking. This time, the scenario is different. He's actually looking for something. He already has probably quite a bit. He's a merchant. He's a businessman. But he's looking for something else. In this story, the man is looking for something more. Now, when we read this, we've got to read it as they would have read it. That we understand pearls, right? Pearls have some value. Pearls are beautiful. Pearls can be nice. But listen, we don't understand pearls the way they knew pearls. Pearls were something else in their culture. Writings that we see show that pearls may have been one of the, if not the top treasure that anybody could find. See, they didn't have the equipment, like the diving equipment. They didn't have what it took to go searching for pearls all over, and so they were very rare. If you could find the right pearl, you're rich for life. It's over. The Egyptians, they worshipped pearls. Maybe you've read about a person named Cleopatra. She had the two largest known pearls in the world, and she had them put into earrings so she could show her extravagance. She could show her wealth. Pearls were about being elite. That's what pearls were known as. And so Jesus is telling this story to, this, to these disciples about this businessman. He's sitting there talking to them, helping them understand these deeper truths of life. And he's talking about this man who had, but he's looking for more. And so he looked, and he looked, and he looked, and he continued to look until that day. He found what he was looking for and sold his wealth because he knew where real value was. That's what Jesus is trying to say. The man spent his entire life looking for the perfect pearl that would change everything. And when he found it, nothing was going to stop him from getting it. Listen, in both of these parables, Jesus is trying to help them see what God is bringing to this earth, how he's going to change humanity, how he's going to change this earth, was what everybody wants. It's what people want when they're not looking for it, but when they come on it, they go, oh. That's amazing. That's what I've wanted the whole time, even though I didn't know. And it's the everything that people want that are searching for their whole life, where they're looking for meaning. They're looking for, for just what matters the most, what they're looking, searching for. When they see this, when they come across the kingdom of God, they're like, that's it. That's exactly it. This is it. It's in this moment they identify everything we've been searching for, whether it's been deep inside, but we really haven't been spending time searching, or we've been spending our whole life searching. When you see what God is bringing to this earth to change everything, you go, that's it. 
and will do whatever it takes to own that treasure. So think about this. The disciples are sitting there. They're probably sitting around this room, maybe eating some bread. They may be just drinking a drink. They're talking about these deeper truths in life. And I wonder what it's like to be them sitting there. Sitting there, hearing these truths from Jesus. And I wonder what questions they asked that weren't recorded. Not everything's recorded, right? I wonder what questions were asked. I wonder what they were thinking. I wonder how their mind was spinning. I wonder what it had been like to be challenged by Jesus to think about life as he's bringing this truth. And so I have to put myself in their seat. We have to put ourselves in that seat. We have to put ourselves in the seat of the disciples of Jesus speaking to them. Jesus is not just speaking to them. He's speaking to us. These truths are passed down to us. Put ourselves in that seat and say, Jesus, what were you trying to do in the disciples' life the same way you're trying to do in my life? What truth were you trying to tell the disciples that I need to hear today? What are you looking to do in me that you were looking to do in them? And so we have to ask that question. We have to sit in that seat. What do we do with this parable? I think the first thing we have to do is we have to decide what is really valuable. I think what Jesus was doing, he was forcing them to decide what is really valuable in life. And this is a problem many times. And just be honest with yourself. Isn't there a chance as you look around, as you look in, that we will have what I'll call a value discernment problem? Let me be honest. Do we ever struggle with deciding between what is good and what is great? What is okay, but what is right? Or maybe sometimes we know what the real value of something is, but far too often do we settle for things that are less valuable in life? And I get it. I get it because I've been there before. We, we, va- we, we settle for things that are less valuable in life because, well, things that are less valuable, they come easy. We settle for less valuable things in life because less valuable things come instantaneously. It makes sense because we settle for less valuable things because they simply cost less. Couldn't this be said about life? That far too often we don't have the discernment on what is really worth our time, what is worth our energy, what is worth our money, what is worth our life. We settle in life because we don't have the discipline just to focus on what is really valuable or we don't have eyes to see what is truly valuable what is the most important, which reminds me of a story named Roy Wettstein. It was 1986, and Roy was a gem or stone collector, and Roy was in Tucson at a gem stone show, and he's looking around all the tables. Roy's there because he wants to buy something, 
He's walking around the table. He's run, rummaging through. He's kind of picking things up. He's, and in a moment, Roy's looking in this $10 bucket. Roy's looking in this $10 bucket and he sees something that he likes. And he confirms the price with the man. He sees this, what he thinks is a sapphire. The man says, yes, it's $10. He gives him $10 and he quickly leaves the show because he knows something or he thinks he knows something that the man doesn't know that was selling it. Roy takes this stone. He takes it to an appraiser. He gets insurance put on it. Because the report that comes back about this stone is that this is a 1,905 carat unique sapphire worth $2.28 million. Again, come on, why am I not that guy? Roy saw something that the rest of the people didn't see. How did this get lost in all of the other stones? How in his rummaging did he get come through and see this stone that was worth way more than he paid for? You know, sometimes I worry. We don't have eyes to see like Roy. To have discernment to see what is really valuable. With all the shiny objects of life that we give ourselves to or we decide on things that are less valuable, I worry about this. I worry that over time we become so familiar with this treasure that Jesus has given that it doesn't carry the same value that it should in our life. That's why I think Matthew says in chapter 6, previously in his gospel, he says, Uh, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's talking about what do we hold value in our life? What do we esteem? What do we consider the most important? And so it poses the question, once again, I'm sitting in the seat with Jesus talking to the disciples, and I'm like, what does he want me to do with this? And I think he's saying, hey, how are you deciding? How are you deciding what's really valuable in life? Not just with your words, because with our words, we say what is the most valuable thing. I don't care about your words. I don't think God cares about our words. He's looking at our actions. He's looking at our priorities. What's the most important things? What do our lives say is the most valuable thing to us? You think Jesus is asking the disciples that as they sit in that house that day? Can you imagine it? Can you picture it? But that's not it. Jesus is not only asking that, not only asking us to decide what's the most valuable thing, I think he's pushing further. He wants us to wrestle with more than that. I think once we decide what's valuable, then we have to do this. We have to own what it will cost. And that we see in the story? Isn't Jesus saying, you've got to own what this valuable thing will cost? One of the most... Uh, It may seem minor, but we've got to own it, is that Jesus is saying that treasure costs them something. And nowhere in the story did people want to get this for free. Nowhere in the story does it say they want to get something handed to them. And can I push you on something today? That maybe when I'm saying it, it will cause you to pause and say, do I agree with Scott today? Can I push you on something theological today, a belief about God, that maybe will go, do I agree with Scott? 
Listen, I think one of the biggest lies, maybe that's too strong, maybe not lies, one of the biggest misinformation that the church maybe tells us is that obtaining the kingdom of God costs nothing. Hear, Hear me. Tell me I'm lying when I say this. The message we often hear is that Jesus, what he came to give us, costs us nothing. It is free. How many times have you heard what Jesus came to give is free to us? I think it's setting us up for a horrible, horrible way of living. Hear me out on this. I I know what people are trying to say. I know the intentions are good, but once again, can I tell you, this is one of the worst thoughts or worst theological thoughts we can have in our life. Uh, We can't do anything to earn our salvation. Hope we can agree on that. We can't do anything to earn the life or the kingdom of God that Jesus wants for us. We can't do anything to deserve what God sent us through Jesus. But let's not, let not, can we not confuse that truth to mean that to receive the kingdom of God doesn't cost us anything? This parable may be one of the most powerful things that Jesus wants to give us. Maybe the most powerful life-changing truths he wants to give us is this. Willing to give everything we have is the entry fee into the kingdom of God. Our willingness to give everything we have is actually the entry fee into the kingdom of God. One of the things I worry about in how we present Jesus is that we focus on the undeserved, unmerited, unearned gift of Jesus without acknowledging what this undeserved gift costs us with our lives. Because what it does is it ends up creating people who want the treasure but not wanting to give anything for it. It's people who end up wanting their citizenship in heaven, but their loyalties end up staying on this earth. I believe Jesus and everything he came to give us, everything he came to do to change our lives is the greatest thing in the world. The world offers nothing close to this. But Jesus is making something really clear that this treasure can be found, but don't think for a second it's not going to cost you anything. Jesus is trying to push his disciples in this moment to say, what's really valuable in life? What really matters in life? What's going to be the most important thing to you? But not only that, do you know how much it's going to cost you? I need you to know this. But he's not done yet. He's not done. Once he gets them to think about value and he gets them to think about cost, it's execution time. He said, what are you going to do about this? And the third thing I think he wants us to do is to do whatever it takes to get it, right? That's the end of that story. That's the end of both stories, right? But they both go away and they do whatever it takes to get it. When we come face to face with the kingdom of God, a radical response is needed from us. 
There comes a point when we realize what's real va- really valuable, what really matters, that it will cost us to detach from things that are less valuable so we can grab a hold of the things that are more valuable. We have to let go of things so we can gain all that Jesus is trying to bring. This is the call of the parable. This is what Jesus is trying to get the disciples to wrestle with. This is what he's pushing them. He's challenging them. He's forcing them to wrestle with. What are they willing to do? What are they willing to do? Whatever it takes to get it. But there's also great news in this. There's also great news in this. That whatever they're going to give up is in no comparison to what they gain. What we give up has nothing in comparison to what we gain on the other end. You'll read about a man named Paul if you read through the New Testament. And Paul went through one of these changes. Paul went from one life to the next. And he, he shares with us what that experience was like as he embraced the kingdom of God. And how everything had to change about his life in Philippians chapter Three, verse 8. Listen, he says this. What is more? I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. And this, this sentence is this poignant. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. When you come face to face with how good the kingdom of God is, nothing, nothing will be too important to sell. When we come to face to face with how great the kingdom of God is, listen, this will not be a burden to sell. Do you remember the words he said about that first man in the parable? He said, with what did he go sell? Remember? Joy. With joy, he went and sold everything. So the question for me is, what's God calling us to sell off to obtain his treasure? He's saying to the disciples, you're going to have to sell off everything. He's telling us we're going to have to sell it. But what's he calling us to sell off? I think this morning I just want to give you some ideas to think about. He doesn't get specific in this parable of what that is, but I want to give us some ideas to think about. I think Jesus is asking us to sell our passions for his passions. You know, when Jesus came, he was passionate about specific things that he was doing the work of the Father. And he, I think, is calling us to say, will you be passionate about what I'm passionate about? We all have these passions inside of us, but do they align Do they align with the passions of Jesus? We all have these things inside we want to do, but do they align with the passions of Jesus? Looking at his life, if you don't know this, jump into the New Testament, you'll see what Jesus cares about. And do our passions align with his passions? He's saying, hey, sell yours for mine, and it's going to be good for you. I think he's saying, will you sell your values for his values? goes back to we all have things that we value but do we value the same things he values 
I think maybe in our life, our prayer life needs to be, God, will you change my passions for your passions? God, will you change my values for your values? Will you help me see things? Will you help me see people? Will you help me see circumstances? Will you help me see life the way you see life? I want to value the same thing you value. I want you to change me because the kingdom of God values different things than this world values. The kingdom of God is different than the kingdom of this world. And what this value does not line up to what God values is. And so oftentimes we lean to what the world values. And when we come into this, we say, God, can you help me sell that value system for your value system? Because it changes how we live. If we want everything that Jesus came to give, then we've got to change things that we care about mostly. I think third thing is he is asking us we change our goals for his goals. I've got goals. Do you have goals? Do you have goals for your life? Things you want? Do they line up with why you were created? You've got goals, but do they line up with the goals that God created you to have? Do they line up to what he cares about? It's like the next one, our, our purposes for his purposes. I tell you this all the time, right? You're created on purpose for a purpose, but does our purpose line up with his purposes? The things that we want to accomplish, the things that we're going after, the things we stay up late at night thinking about, the things that we wake up in the morning and say, this is why I've woken up. Or do your purposes line up the with the way he wants you to wake up in the morning do they go together if not god help my purposes to line up with your purposes a couple other things um will we be willing to sell our self-righteousness for his righteousness we can very quickly become self-righteous people can't we look how good i am I'm made right in life because I've accomplished this. I've been made right in life because look what I've done. Look how important I am. And Jesus comes because forget self-righteousness. You are made right by me. Will you trade your desire to be self-righteous, to be righteous in the sight of God because of Jesus? Maybe for you to obtain the kingdom of God, you've got to sell old grudges to take on his life of forgiveness. These are things that maybe he's called us to to let go of. Old grudges so you can take on a life of forgiveness. You've heard me talk about this before. How can we not forgive others when we've been forgiven so much? The kingdom of God is a forgiving kingdom. We can't be in the kingdom, the kingdom in us, without letting go of those past things. That's the kingdom of God, how it works. Maybe we need to sell off our financial plan for his financial plan. If you weren't here, I made a commitment several months ago that I would talk a little bit more about finances or money because God began to really convict me that one of the spiritual strongholds we have in life is our money. And it destroys us. And some of us, we don't live in freedom. We don't live in peace. All we have is anxiety in our uh, finances. And, we're, and our, our, our main objective is to get rid of the anxiety is we want to earn more. If we earn more, I don't have to stress about money. If I earn more, then I don't have to think about money. If I make more, maybe then I'll be more generous. And Jesus is like, listen, in my kingdom of God, in the kingdom of God, do your financial plans line up with his financial plans? And maybe some of you, you'll never find peace or lack of anxiety until you live the way God has called you to live in your finances. In the kingdom of God, he's a generous 
We are generous. We're looking for ways to bless other people in the kingdom of God. We look at our finances that it's not ours, it's God that's blessed and given to us because so it's not ours in the first place. We wonder why things don't ever work out because we don't do things with our money the way God has called us to do with our money in the kingdom of God. We operate in our finances differently. Can I say something pastors never want to say and I avoid it all the time too. Some of you don't, you don't think about tithing or giving to the work of God through this church and maybe God sometimes goes, hey, you're never gonna get where you need to go until you understand what I've called you to do with your money and maybe that's the thing between you and God because you're not living in faith or in trust, you're hoarding because you really believe in yourself and God's like, I want you to do something different with your money because it's your spiritual stronghold. It's what's holding you back. Maybe he's calling us to sell off your pleasures and practices in life so you can take on his life. Your character, your integrity. Sexually. Maybe it's some addictions, drugs, alcohol. And God is saying, hey, sell off these and take on my way of living. Don't give over to your pleasures. Don't give over to these practices because I've got something more for you. Listen, there's freedom in Jesus. There's freedom in the kingdom of God and we have to sell some of these off. I'll give you everything so I can enter into the kingdom of God. Listen, Jesus is telling the disciples in this moment. They're sitting around the room and Jesus is like, he can see in their life, they're about to experience a life that they never imagined. But this life is actually going to cost them more than they ever thought it would. But at the end of their life, I have to imagine that none of these disciples look back and go, man, that cost me too much. No, at the end of the life, when, when they're martyred even, all but one was killed for following Jesus, they look back and go, it was all worth it. The cost was always worth it because of what they gained. The kingdom of God causes us to live life differently. But what we give up is nothing compared to what we gain. And so this morning, what I'm hoping this parable does is it causes us to think, it causes us to wrestle, it causes us to decide, have I really given what God has called me to give to obtain everything that the kingdom of God is? When my kids were young, they came to my parents' house. And when my mom yelled treasure hunt, it was the greatest thing ever. And they went running towards it. And my question is, do we run towards the treasure that God has called us to? And it doesn't matter what we're doing in the moment. That doesn't matter because I got to go to the treasure. And I'm going to give away everything. And so what we're going to do this morning is end in worship as we do. I want you to wrestle with this. The greatness of God and his kingdom, is it worth it to give up, to sell away, so that we can obtain all that he's offering us? Can we pray and then we'll worship? Heavenly Father, mm, you are good. Heavenly Father, you are good. And we want everything you have for us. But God, May you give us eyes to see what is really valuable. 
God, will you help us see and own the cost? And will we do whatever it takes, God, because what the world offers does not compare to what Jesus is offering. God, we don't we don't deserve everything you're offering, but it's there for us, but it costs us everything in our lives. And God, may we not settle for people. Settle to being people that say, I want the treasure, but I don't want to give anything for it. God, may we walk out this parable. May we be the disciples that sit in that house. And may we answer the question Jesus gives. Will you sell everything? Will you give everything? And may we be like the disciples that say yes. God, if there are any strongholds in this room today, may you break them. May you break them so we can experience more of you. Because you are incredible. And thank you for everything you came to give us. Thank you for this treasure. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.